Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Matt Pace. He's the author of Leaders Ready Now, Accelerating Growth in a Faster World. Matt, it's great to have you with us. Thanks, Taryn. Good to be here. So first off, who is this book for? Is this for someone who's looking to become a leader? Is this for the C-suite looking to fill leadership roles, or both? This book is for CEOs and CHROs. We're trying to um, change a conversation that is often more complicated than it needs to be into something that can be much simpler and uh, easier to manage. What do you think is the biggest mistake the C-suite makes when trying to fill leadership roles? I think maybe at the center of what this book is about, because uh, the history, I think, of how organizations have gone about fixing their leadership problem, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about what I mean by that. It's characterized by a lot of uh, a lot of process, a lot of tools, technology, things that seem like they're supposed to work to create more leadership capability. And a lot of those tools, technology, and processes are good ideas to begin with. But uh, once started, they end up taking more energy away from the organization because they're very administrative. Uh, they're very process-oriented. Mm. There are a lot of steps, forms, uh, details, meetings, things that can become exhausting in a pretty short period of time. And so I think the mistake that a lot of CEOs and senior teams make is not recognizing that all this tool, technology-oriented activity is not really going to give them the leadership that they need. Okay, so it's not a theory or an equation. There's something more which we're going to get into. You say that they don't have the leaders ready to step into key roles. Is it because they're just not getting potential leaders into the game soon enough? Mm. You know, they're not grooming them, so to speak? Is that the root? I think there's probably a variety of reasons. Organizations themselves and the context around them, as you and I will quickly recognize, are changing so quickly that it's impossible to always be up to speed with the amount of change that's happening. There's surprise around every corner. And I think because that's combined with people who are moving jobs a lot more frequently these days. Right. Organizations, when they face a business change or a technology interruption or some sort of crisis or even an opportunity, merger, acquisition, they suddenly look to the bench and they say, gee, the people we thought were ready are ready for something different than what we have to do now. Leadership readiness has to be uh, met with the question, ready for what? Okay. And so I think the reason organizations feel shortages so often is because they've been preparing people for uh, something that changes so quickly that they're not ready to respond to the change. So are you saying that when you prepare workers for leadership, there has to be sort of a general platform, there's too much specificity going on, and then when the role opens up that they weren't meant for, that's where the problems start? If you think of the way a business leader or a functional leader might think of developing people, they'll often think um, in an operations platform or in a finance platform, how do I get operations leaders or finance leaders ready? Mm. And CEOs very often are looking through their organization saying, yeah, I want operations and finance leaders, but I want people who understand operations, finance, marketing, sales, and supply chain. And that's because horizontal vision across an organization 
is so important in the context of change. When there's sudden surprises, the most valuable leaders are the ones that have a perspective that cuts across. Sure, you have to be able to pivot, right? which is really what a lot of the book is about. So I always like to ask people in your position, what do you know now that you wish you would have known then? Anyone who comes out of a formal education about leadership or maybe any field, you really believe in a set of principles that you learned from an educational standpoint, that you probably have a good sense that they work, mm -hmm. that they're, they're sound. But it's so easy, to, particularly in today's context, to suddenly become too complex. The bar for too complex seems to be going down all the time. And that doesn't mean that things are oversimplified. It just means that the world requires things that are easy to digest, easy to move forward with, which is really a big part of what we tried to accomplish with Leaders Ready Now. It's, there are a lot of ideas in Leaders Ready Now but any organization only needs a few of them to move the needle on where they are. So would you say that your education, in addition to your experience, gave you some of these techniques? Yeah, I, I mean, thanks. For the foundation? There's a foundation there. Absolutely. Okay. I, I think so. And you know, maybe to be more pointed about your question, what do I wish I knew then? I wish I knew the ways to find the nuggets of simplicity that each organization needs. And that's, that sounds like a big wish. but. Every organization we've ever worked with has a very unique need that can start from some basic principles, but each time the solution is going to be somewhat customized. So give us a couple of these nuggets that you keep mentioning, these simplicity nuggets. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, so earlier you mentioned getting in the game sooner. And people say, what does that mean, getting in the game sooner? If you're going to create leadership, more leadership, and do it faster while your business is changing, how do you do that? So we work with a technology company, and this is a very successful organization that's been at this for a while. They're very innovative. They have, um, they have a very exciting business, but they are lagging a little bit from an innovation standpoint. Uh, their competitors are a little faster than they are, a little mm. bit more exciting than they are. And they have a leadership challenge to respond to this. They've had a lot of successful people who've retired, left, um, gone off and sort of ridden their horses off into the sunset. Or gone over to the competitor. Sometimes gone to the competitors. Okay. And so they're looking at their leadership bench while they're looking at this innovation challenge. And what a lot of organizations would do is say, okay, we have to build some programs to hurry up and build our leadership bench. Right. And that's probably an important thing to do. But this organization did something different in addition. They built a program that they call the Braveheart program, which is an interesting concept, particularly in North America, if you know what a Braveheart is. This is a warrior. This is someone who will take the fight to the front line without hesitation. Well, what do I mean by that? So William Wallace. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. The, the, the true Braveheart. So what this organization did, instead of, of calling people and saying, hey, we'd like you to come to a leadership program or go through some training, they said, we have an innovation problem. And we're looking for people who are showing signals that they're interested in helping us solve this problem at all levels of leadership from all functions. So they built some teams of people led by senior executives that were from all levels of leadership and from multiple functions to get after this problem of innovation and go tackle it. And they, they got learning and development and coaching along the way. The, the development program was built to connect people to a business problem hmm. rather than to assign people to a learning program, which is a very different kind of approach. And that's a very simple concept, really. It's what problem do we have? Who wants to help? And who can help? Who's showing signals of performance in their current job or potential uh, that would suggest that they might be able to help? So it's, it's taking a real life problem, trying to solve it, and through that process, 
the leaders tend to emerge? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. The stars will shine through, it, it, so to There's speak? a little bit more to it than just emergence, but that's, that's the basic idea. It's, it's saying, what are the problems we as a business have that aren't being solved right now? Who are the people that are showing signals of being able to help? Let's get them together. It also bears mentioning that the people who are most likely to grow quickly, the people who have the best prospects for leadership in your organization, are people who desperately want to be closer to the business problems that your organization is facing. They want to solve them. They want to solve mm -hmm. them. They want to be in the hunt. and Be and in the game. <laughs> That's right, be in the game. So that's what we mean by getting people in the game sooner. Matt, in the book you talk about feedback and you say this is really a crucial part of the process. Why so? Fundamentally, Taryn, uh, feedback is such an important topic because a lot of organizations think about it in a way that's very different from the way we've talked about it and the way we practice it. So if I say to you, Taryn, I've got some feedback for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> exactly. The response is generally not positive right. because feedback is often ham-handed and not handled well by most leaders. However, when you can create an experience for people where they get some feedback in the right ways with the right kind of data supplying it, it fundamentally changes the way people view the future. So I have some feedback for you, please don't do that again or please do that differently, it causes people to look in the rearview mirror and think about the past. Mm. They think about what they've done and perhaps they regret it or they try to redo it, but their focus is more on the past than on the future. And when you're talking about accelerating the growth of a leader, you want to deliver feedback that is oriented toward the future. Taryn, I could imagine you doing something very different in the future that would be really exciting. You've got these key tools that are extraordinary, and if we can leverage those in some specific ways, so now think about the data we might use, assessment yeah. data, some objectivity, that would allow people to say, whoa, my future has some prospects that I never thought of before because I, I haven't been an executive before or I haven't run that business before, but if I can reframe the way someone thinks about their growth, it changes the way not just they think about feedback, but actually the way they use feedback. And we actually have some data that suggests that when people get the right kind of feedback, they're described by the people they work with as more likely to listen to and use feedback. So now go back to what we talked about at the very beginning, surprises, uh, change. And if, if I can arm an organization with an increased likelihood that people will ask for feedback when surprised with a new challenge, that's like currency. It's like leadership currency that like you that. can create. We just find that, that when you get a chance to, again, reframe the future, it, it changes the way people react to surprises when they get into them. You talk in the book, Matt, about having the right conversation about the right people. So how do you know who to bet on? as a member yeah. of the C-suite? Yeah, you have to use a little objectivity. How do, how do you be efficient in these conversations? So it's a very good question, and it requires a little objectivity. Um, being efficient requires first settling on one definition of what you believe potential is. And this is a concept that's been very amorphous uh, worldwide, not just here in the US, but worldwide. And so if you ask a leader, what are the tools for having potential in this organization? Mm -hmm. And then ask another leader and ask three and four and five. You ask five, you'll get five definitions. You ask 10, you'll get 10. So you have to spend some time sorting out what are the few most critical things that in our organization make most sense to look for early in people's careers. And some of those signals are a little bit counterintuitive because most people will look for good performance, except Guess what? Good performance doesn't necessarily predict good future leadership. Right. Not to interrupt you, but I will. That's okay. <laughs> but it's sort of like I'm, okay. a big, I'm a big tennis fan, and it's sort of like my mom always said, the score is not indicative of the match. You can lose 
six love, six one, but it can be a really close match and you can lose each game by only one point. It's sort of an analogy Absolutely. to what you're saying. We once uh, spent some time with an Olympic gymnastics coach. She, she coached uh, young girls. Right. And we asked her, what do you look for when you're looking for potential? And she didn't say anything about physical skill. She didn't say anything about dexterity or the way they perform on the mat. She said, I want the kids who are interested in talking about gymnastics. Right. I want the ones who hang around after practice and want to, want to practice some more. I want the ones who can take feedback um, because they're going to get feedback. There's going to be hundreds of people and sometimes thousands watching them. And then I'm going to get in their face and give them feedback. And can they do that? So now think not just about little girls, but think about leaders of all stripes. These are people who, whether they like it or not, are going to get a lot of feedback, and they're going to need to use it. They're going to face ever more complex scenarios. They're going to have to work to develop themselves. So the things to look for are more associated with the inclination to take leadership assignments. Hmm. Are people interested in just raising their hand when there's a problem and okay. saying, I want to help? Do they have a penchant for self-development? Do they want feedback? You can ask people some simple questions to find out how they use feedback. Tell me about a time when you changed your approach because of some feedback you got from somebody. It's very fascinating to see how people respond to that question sure. in different ways. And people who do it habitually, it just rolls off the tongue. Mm -hmm. And when people have to think about that, that causes us to wonder. And so these are things you can look at. You know, are people, they have inclination to lead. Do they develop themselves? Um, do, they, do they master complexity when it comes at them? And, and do they fit with our culture is another thing. You know, that's the one thing that's very unique to each organization right. is, is are these people getting results in a way that really works with our culture? Now that sounded like a mouthful that I just said. And you, you no, asked, I'm with you, I'm with you. you. Well, you started by saying, how, how do you make it less complex? Right. Because I just mentioned four or five things that you have to think about. But they're telltale signs aside from performance. That's, that's the thing is, is as, soon as, you, as soon as you talk about these with a senior management team and have a discussion about what potential is, people sort of go, oh yeah, that's that's what I was looking for right. because the real temptation is to say, is she ready to be promoted yet? The discussion among management is, well, not yet. Let's wait three years. Let's wait five years. Well, that's not the judgment that you really want to make if you're trying to grow people more quickly. Right. You want to find out who's showing the signals of potential, those earlier signals, then invest in them. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important, though, what you said, though, you have to get on the same page. What is potential? Six or seven definitions, everybody's looking for something one different. Definition. So that's cr crucial and yep. key. Uh, one last question for you. In terms of finding leaders, are there cases where someone is naturally a great leader, but they don't give off any of these signs? Yes. I mean, so you have this amazing leader that's sitting there in your yep. organization. You know, they just sort of blend in and you never notice them. So what's your true. advice in that situation? I would say two things. One is to make public, create an internal brand for the fact that leadership is not about noise or um, loud, loud results, if you know what I, or pizzazz, what I mean, or right. pizzazz. Mm -hmm. It's not the people who can be most aggressive or assertive or most noticeable. It's the people who fit with our culture and are able to supply the organization with what it needs. This is why it's so important to talk about people. For example, take a, a, a factor we talk about with organizations that you're searching for is people who are curious. Some of the most curious people will never breathe a word to you about their curiosity That's unless true. you ask. So that means that part one is to create some internal branding around what you're looking for. And that has to not be this sort of um, traditional notion of the, you know, big-chested, loud, 
confident leader that railroads through problems, right. right? It has to include the thoughtful person who reflects. So there are different types of leaders. They come in all forms. Some we notice, some we don't. A big part of the exercise in defining potential is to find those people who are hidden. Look at right. non-traditional places. Ask ourselves questions about the diversity. So if we have a business leader, and we're gonna go into a, a, a talent review discussion and talk about 50 people, and that business leader has identified 10 that she wants to talk about, who are those 10 people? What are their backgrounds? Mm -hmm. What kind of education do they have? What sort of diversity uh, is, in that, is in that group? And if we just do some pre-work, when right. we think about it, we find that the supply of people who are quote unquote non-traditional non or not, not previously recognized starts to really go up in ways that surprise right. people. It's management's responsibility to, to look at the entire room. It's not just the person who has the loudest voice or who's raising their hand the most. It's their yeah. job to, to get to know each employee, you know, in a case-by-case -case basis. So Absolutely. you're not just eliminating the quiet people because some of the, the best leaders are shy, they're quiet. I mean, they come in all shapes. It's introverts, right. exactly. Absolutely. So, uh, Matt, we didn't even get to the ex six acceleration imperatives. Um, so much great stuff in the book, but it's really so useful in terms of getting your leaders in the game now. I'll simply say that the six imperatives are the buttons you can press to create the energy that an organization needs to grow. Right. Not process. Yes, process is important. Technology is important. But the imperatives are the ways that you can take whatever you already have and create energy and excitement with it. Energy is so important. That's, that's at the heart of the book. So uh, it, it's a terrific read. Congratulations. And it's really unique. Thanks so much. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. If you'd like more information on the book, all you have to do is go to our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We'll see you next time right here on Bestsellers. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Sweet Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.